All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome again to the Left of Greg podcast. I'm your host, Brian Marin. As always, we have Mr. Greg Williams, who the podcast is affectionately named after. And on tonight's episode, we have a very special guest, and that is Mrs. Shelley Williams, who, among other things, has been an instructor trainer for our human behavior pattern recognition analysis programs, uh, former law enforcement, uh, done all kinds of different uh, had all kinds of different roles inside of law enforcement, working undercover, uh, SWAT team, um, and just all around total badass. Uh, there's very few people in the world that intimidate me, but Shelly is absolutely one of them, even though she's just barely five feet tall and 100 pounds. I am scared to death of her and keep her at one arm's distance away from me at all times because I'm terrified. So that being said, uh, we have her on the guest tonight. So she's going to give her perspective on some of the stuff that we do. And before we get into that, just want to remind everyone, you got more information at ArcadiaCognorati.com. I'll have that link posted up. You guys can read all about what we do and who we are. Uh, you can, again, if you're watching this, uh, the Left of Greg YouTube tra- channel, please uh, subscribe to it. And uh, we'll also post stuff on the Arcadia Cognorati Facebook page, as well as the LinkedIn page. So go ahead and search us on there, and you can find out all kinds of information, stay on top of updates watch cool little videos, watch a full podcast, download it on iTunes, the Left of Greg podcast on iTunes. Whatever you want to do, you can listen to it on your, uh, on your way into work. So that being said, we're going to go ahead and jump into it with uh, Shelly tonight. Uh, so I've got a bunch of questions for her and kind of give a little bit of her background. Uh, she's been doing the human behavior profiling stuff for uh, a very long time. And specifically, too, is uh, as an instructor trainer. So one of the people who actually trains those of us who are going to go out and train other people on the skill set. So she was one of my instructor trainers when I first went through training. Uh, she is a, what I call the, the keeper of all the knowledge. Uh, she remembers everything, takes notes uh, like I've never seen before, and is extremely detailed. And that type of mind with this type of skill set is, uh, I mean, uh, more than, than an asset that doesn't really de- properly describe what Shelly brings to the table, but uh, she kind of keeps the history of this program going through a number of different ways. And is just, I know from my experience and from a lot of the other guys who went through training, that she was the one we often went to with the questions and how to explain stuff uh, versus going to Greg, who's going to give us uh, a 30-minute answer to a question, and I might leave a little bit more confused than when I showed up, whereas Shelly's going to go, <laughs> hey, this is what he's talking about. And so that was always great for us. So a uh, couple things, Shelly, I kind of just want to start off with just one from your perspective as uh, from what I've seen working with you, uh, working around pretty much all top-tier military or law enforcement units uh, which is pretty much a predominantly all-male or mostly male environment with not just is it all-male, but it's pretty much all kind of type A personality guys. Uh, and you've kind of on your own been throughout your whole career, the, some of the stories that I've, I've heard especially, uh, you've not just been able to handle yourself in those situations, but, but really thrived and, and done, done better than, than your peers. So I kind of want to come at it, I guess, from that perspective, from that angle for you is just kind of being, a, you know, one, a female in a mostly male environment and, and how that human behavior aspect from, from your perspective is, uh, has kind of given you maybe, maybe an edge in some areas or maybe uh, kind of the upper hand in, in a lot of situations. So um, that being said, uh, I guess that's, I'm sure we can add more for your background and fill in as we go, and, and you can talk about some of your experiences. But, 
you know, I just kind of, can you give me like a general idea of what it's like being, being you, being Shelly in those environments, you know, when you first went into law enforcement, when you first started doing human behavior, martial arts, well, going over the SWAT team, you know, what kind of obstacles or what hurdles were there for you that maybe weren't there for, for some of the other male members. And then, which maybe was probably made it more difficult for you at the time, but I'm guessing in the long run probably made you better at what it is that you do. All right. Well, that's small. Thank you. Uh, um, I think that things that are lost on us are due to, um, you know, the computers and the cell phones and that kind of stuff. I did not have that when I first started. So I think people were a lot better at what we do now, just, you know, living your life without having those things in your hands all the time. Um, I think for for me specifically, I mean, being a female in the male-dominated type of jobs are always more difficult. Um, obviously, that's getting better as we go on now. But um, I think using that skill set, whether you're a parent, uh, I think you get really good at, at this job being a parent because you have to be able to identify things just, you know, raising your kids. Um, as far as what I did for a living, um, just like anybody else, I think you fight your way to the top, whether you're a male or female, and that's inherently in you as a person, um, to make that happen. Uh, it wasn't easy in the eighties for sure. Uh, but it's getting a lot better for people, which is great. As far as human behavior profiling is concerned, I think that, um, I just didn't want to lose that ability that we in, we inherently have, but we're starting to lose. Um, and I think using that ability, whether you're a parent, whether you're a cop, whether you're in military background, um, we have to get back to um, being good at being a human and being able to identify the problems, um, whether you're talking about whether law enforcement type background or a military background or just 7-Eleven clerk. Um, we have to be able to put down the cell phones and pay attention to other people. And I think that's um, something that you have to work at. And I just happen to be good at it. That's a great quality, I guess. Right. I, I, I agree with all of those things. So do you think that maybe being, being a female or like you said, being a mother, um, I mean, how does that, does that maybe actually, when it comes to what we're talking about, about reading, understanding and predicting human behavior, do you think that that almost can, can help that that's an advantage. Uh, I think anytime you put your inherent skill set to, to work, I think it's an advantage. Um, I think that we don't tend to pay attention to people when we're so busy with our day to day lives and you have to make an effort to actually pay attention and to look at another human and be able to predict any behaviors, whether good, bad or indifferent, but I need to look to make sure that I'm safe and that's the reason I pay attention to them. Right, right. So how would you say that, like, you know, your understanding of where you're at at very high level of understanding, you know, human behavior, pattern recognition analysis, and studying and teaching it for, for decades, you know, uh, can you think back to, to your career, maybe before you, you knew all the science behind it or before you even had all that, right. that training education at where you knew something maybe before someone else did, or you knew you were in a situation where, hey, this is where I can see these events unfolding. I don't know if you have any examples of something like that from your past. Well, I think before I understood the science behind it, um, you know, I, I would look, watch people because, you know, especially if you're in law enforcement, you have 
you know, people that are inherently dangerous. And without paying attention, you're going to miss the cues and clues that would put me in a situation I didn't want to be in. And so I think that that's one side of it is keeping yourself safe. And another side is being able to de-escalate situations by watching their behavior cues. And if you don't, you're going to miss those cues and not be able to de-escalate as quickly. And that's important. You don't always want to pull out a weapon system and take somebody off the battle space if you don't have to. If you can make that happen left of the event, it's way better. Yeah, and that that's that's a great point. And I think I don't know, maybe from your experience, but but certainly from mine, from what I've seen, is that oftentimes I find that that you know women are actually better at the de-escalation part of this than most men are. I don't know if you 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 can share with us any stories of that where you looked at a situation differently than maybe your male partner or someone else on the scene. Well, we are. I mean, I think that we are. Uh, I think that sometimes, uh, especially male to male, uh, you know, I think that there's a, an ego going on there. I think there's testosterone going on there. And women tend to approach things a little bit differently sometimes and become maternal, if you will, on how they de-escalate the situation. And I think for sure that's happened a lot. Or they didn't want to look like a fool in front of a female officer. And so they would take a different path or a different direction. So I agree with you totally. I think it's definitely a gender thing, which is I use to my advantage if I can. Yeah, a- absolutely. And, and I know I saw Greg smiling there, so I'm sure he was recalling plenty of events where he may have been the one taking one approach and you were the one saying, why don't we, why don't we take this other approach? Right. <laughs> so, right. So, so please, if there is something uh, that you think fits, Greg, by, by all means, uh, uh, go ahead and, and, and jump in with an example. Two quick things come to mind. The, uh, the first one is simply this. Uh, Shelly is a master negotiator, even on, on the street. And so uh, while Shelly was never a pushover, she also uh, did the Father Flanagan better than anybody I'd ever seen. And the Father Flanagan is this. You assume the role of the person psychologically, that stance uh, is what it's called in psychology, that that person needs at that time. And whether that's their uh, Catholic priest or whether that's their father or whether that's their sister or whether that's their daughter, Shelley was the same, uh, a chameleon-like ability to assume that role very quickly. Now, there was a couple of times when the man mountain that she was fighting with in the Sally Port was uh, seven foot three and 300 pounds, and Shelley is five foot nothing and, uh, and 110 pounds. And instead of resorting to her array of less than lethal force alternatives, she would calm the person down and say, just listen for a minute. And then the famous words came out, no jury in the world would convict me if I have to shoot you right now. So first consider that. Second, I don't want to kill you. And can't we just talk about this? And the first time that I saw that, and I saw that de-escalation, I saw the scales fall from the suspect's eyes, and he sat down on the Sallyport curb wearing one handcuff, the other still affixed to his wrist. He had broken them apart and sweating and covered with mace and all the cops surrounding her with the, the 870s, uh, you know, with their beanbag rounds. And the guy just said, okay. And they started to talk, and he took off the broken handcuff and allowed her to put on the regular handcuffs and now the flex cuffs and the ankle yeah. chains and everything else. And then he, he went upstairs for the booking and processing. That takes uh, an intuition 
one, that I think females are more in touch with, and two, that I think Shelly was more in touch with because of her human behavior training. I think the event would have escalated to a violent and, and possibly uh, uh, a deadly encounter had she not been able to de-escalate it. So the, other, the other one is just simply that she was always faster and stronger and smarter than all the male cops. So, of course, we can't say anything good about her at this point. You know? Right. Right. Well, you, you mentioned something, Greg, that I want to hit on. And, Shelly, maybe you could answer it. But you said, you know, understanding that uh, sometimes you need to take the psychological stance that they need at that time. And I think that key right. phrase, that they need, is that's often lost, right? So how do you do that? So Shelly, from, from your experience then, taking that psychological stance, getting inside right. their head that they need it at that moment, how do you determine what it is that they need at that moment? Because I'm guessing from your perspective, that might be different than mine, where I'm just going, this guy needs, uh, you know, this, this, this guy needs a, a club over the head right now, where you go, well, maybe that's not what he needs. Or, so do you, I don't know if you have an example or explain how you do that? How do you go? Well, this guy needs this, uh, um, you know, th- this stance right now. He needs this bit of information, and he needs an approach like this. Because I'm guessing for a lot of people that might they'll they'll never get to do that, or they'll never be able to understand that. Or a lot of people would it would take a long time. I don't know if you you can right. Well, I th- I think that part of it is listening to people. And I think a lot of times people don't listen to each other anymore. And it's about the questions you ask, you know. Um, and you have to be fast at this on, in that line of work, but maybe not so when you're going to the counter at Walmart to file right. a complaint and you want to try to get your way out of this. Right. There's a way to manipulate people so that you end up, both of you, in a positive light at the end of the tunnel. Um, it doesn't always have to be force on force, and that's just a different approach. It, it, you know, it's great, especially in this day and age where – um, escalation of force is issues are, you know, front and center right now. And so if you can at least look at it in a different perspective that maybe it's okay to talk it out or maybe it's okay to go ahead and let this guy have a say, it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to get his way. Maybe he still, you know, is going to be wrong at the end of the game, but he feels better about his decision. Right. No, that's that's a, 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 a great you know, that's a great point. And the other thing is, you know, like you just, well, you said it's manipulate the other person. And I don't want people to take that the wrong way in terms of what no. you manipulation. It's literally, it's, so you both this, you know, you're in a situation that has to come to an end, right? It's got to right. lead somewhere. So this, this, this situation is going to end. So how do I manipulate uh, my environment, you know, uh, myself, this person to, to have the, right. the most beneficial outcome for everyone involved. I mean, and, and like right. you said, if you're law enforcement, then, hey, that's, that's for you and for what your job, what you need to do. But, it, what, you know, we can do that with everyone. And so that was a, a, a great point. And you brought up one, too, is that, hey, maybe it doesn't need to come to an end right now. Maybe we could do this. And that, that's, the, that's the line I've heard used before. And I know this is easier said than done. And I'm speaking of this at a 30,000-foot view. I'm not on the scene right. in one of these examples. But one of it is like, you know, especially for law enforcement, it's like you get, you get paid by the hour, right? So, so like if this takes three more hours, you're making overtime after that, right? So, okay. <laughs> so like, what, why do we, why do we need to end this right now? What other call do you have to be on? That's so much more important or what else do you have to do because of where you're at right now might get go to the uh, extremely catastrophic. I know Greg, you probably have something to, to add onto that. Well, one thing that's really funny about how Shelly does manipulate her environment, and that's exactly the right word, 
But again, take it from a clinical perspective, not a personality perspective, because then you feel like something's happening, that somebody's pulling the wool over your eyes. And that's not what it is at all. What it is is actually opening the aperture so you get more light and you can read what's going on in front of you. And Shelly was the one that taught me a long time ago, even though I predate her as a copper. Uh, she taught me that this may be the only exposure to law enforcement that this person has when they call you, whether it's a, a homeowner or a suspect. It may be their only, you know, their, their first encounter. And she said, treat everything like it's a homicide scene, even if it's a dog bite. Because if you, if you give them the full Monty, if you give them 100% of your time and your attention, they're going to remember that. And you'll become their personal policeman. It'll be much easier later on when you have to come in and tell them some bad news. And it made all the sense in the world because everybody was in such a rush to get done with that call and move on to the exciting stuff. You know, right. copy on three, copy on four. We got a shooting in progress. They forgot that's not really a role. So as a, a, a threat prediction in human behavior, I, I'll give you a, a brief example. I was an FTO working, a field training officer working in a, another area of the city. Knew that we had a new female that was working on midnights. Uh, didn't know Shelly, just knew her by reputation. Everybody was like, don't worry about covering her. She's doing just fine, right? And you don't get that in your mind. So a big caper is going on in the North End. A couple of people did some very bad stuff, and now they're fleeing from the cops. And that's always dangerous. It's dangerous for society. It's dangerous for the suspect. It's dangerous for everybody, including the brakes and the tires on the car, right? Yeah. So uh, you've heard of 8 Mile, and uh, there's a, a road called 9 Mile, remarkably, one one mile north of that. And uh, at Nine Mile and Ryan, there's a, a huge uh, bomb. And when suspects are fleeing from the coppers and they don't know that, uh, they join NASA's Cub Cadet program and get all fired four tires off the ground, streak through the air like a comet, and then normally crash. So this happens to this suspect. Uh, Shelly happens to be the lead vehicle behind, and, and I'm with a rookie behind that. And so here's this fiery wreck, and everybody bounces out of the car, and they're running in all the directions. And Shelly is after one of the largest, fastest humans I've ever seen uh, after midnight uh, in a bad spot in the city uh, going through factories that are not lit, over fences, dogs barking. And seconds into the pursuit, I hear bing, boom, bam, and the, the noises are going off and dogs barking and screaming. And I go, well, I'm one second away from hitting the push to talk and saying officer down. I come running around the corner fearing the worst, and uh, Shelly is in a unique position straddling the suspect with her feet between his shoulder blades and holding on to him and, and gently handcuffing him. And uh, he's in a big pile below her. And Shelly was able to take it and escalate force and then do the inverted U hypothesis and bring it right back down to the ground level and she said to him, and he's screaming and swearing and everything else, she said to him, hey, you're a crook. Your job is to run. I'm a cop. My job is to catch you. That's all over now. Are you okay? And the guy answered calmly, yeah, I'm fine. She goes, okay, we're going to stand up now, and I need you to wear your big boy pants. We're going to walk back to my police car. She completely turned it into a job interview. Uh, right. And not to bash anybody. All the male cops, sirens are still going. They've got everything on their bat belt, a flashlight, PR-24, mace in their teeth. They're ready for a fight. They're ready for a scrum. She was able to use the appropriate amount of force. She was able to de-escalate the situation and get right back to what was going on. That laser focus is where the flashlight laser of the program come from. And when I started talking about this, one of the things, Brian, you and I even forgot, is we say, yeah, yeah, go online and check out Shelly's impressive resume. We never even said she's CEO of Arcadia. Yeah. 
Why yeah. does that never come to us? Because I, we never think of her in that role, do we? We always think of her as the best performer out on the field. We don't think of her as some admin pogue. You get what I'm trying to no, say? No, that, that. That, that's true, and that's why I gave it the keeper of the knowledge and the one who it's the overseer, the one who who you know remembers everything. You can go to her. Hey, what was the name of that guy? We did that training down, and somehow Shelley remembers. And you're just like, yeah, but that's just it. I I didn't even say it in the intro, like exactly you you know you you got me too it's like yeah because i i look at her as well one she knows more about this and has more experience than i do that that also too takes precedence over being the ceo uh, you know what i mean that that to me that that's more respectful or i i give her more respect for that than anyone who's just oh this person's the vp or whatever or they run this like that's great anyone can do that job not anyone can do what what she does and and bringing up some of the skills you were talking about and that Greg described, and I know Shelly just kind of gleans over, well, you got to do this, and then you get the details, and you're like, Jesus, Shelly, that was intense. She's like, ah, you know, it's just another another thing that I did, but, but you know, they, it's so funny that we have to talk, in the military, they refer to it as some of the skill set as like, oh, yeah, these are good uh, soft skills. Yeah, we need to work, focus on these soft skills, and you're like, this is just, this is just, humans interacting with other humans that's not a soft skill that's an innate ability we were all born with it and, and you both brought up intuition and how that works and and one uh, shelly you're dead on how we're getting worse at it because of our reliance on technology lack of human interaction and just you know no one's sitting on a bus talking to each other anymore on the way to work everyone's focused in on their on their phone and what they're doing and that's why things go viral there was one i saw just today of a bus driver. I don't know. It had to be somewhere in the Midwest, East coast somewhere because there was a ton of snow on the ground and, you know, they have the cameras and the bus driver, so they have it all on there and she stops and is like, man, everyone's just driving around this car that's in the middle. And it, the snow had fallen, but it hadn't cleared the streets. And the guy was sitting on the tra- railroad tracks. So the bus driver just goes, well, that's pretty dangerous. So she bundles up, throws her, uh, you know, uh, I'm going to say cafe, uh, throws her scarf and, and hat on hops off the bus. What do some other people on the bus do? Oh, what are they getting off here? Oh, okay. Few of them. Hey, they got right off and they actually pushed this car off railroad tracks while all these other vehicles were just going right around it and got them on its way so they they could get on their way. And you're going like, you know what? Something like that happened how many days in winter throughout the entire Midwest, East Coast, Northeast, where they have public transportation? How many times has that happened in, in, in our lifetime or in your lifetime? Now it's something that's so exceptional that it goes viral and becomes, hey, look at people doing great things. It's like, well, this is just normal living in a community with each other. We have to do this for each other, for our own survival. No one person is, 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 you know, you don't don't make your own way. It's like reading all these, you know, uh, stories of people, I'm self-made this, I'm self-made this. No, you weren't. You learn lessons along the whole way where people taught you either right or people taught you wrong, but you learn from them. You know, those are all things that we learn. And, and, and the, the intuition right. part is, is, is a big one. So, so I, I, you know, another question I would have for you on Shelly is, you know, if you could look back from your perspective, right, looking back on not just your experience, but then, you know, like you said, you were in law enforcement before you understood the science behind it, but you knew what it was because you had that innate, innate ability. So from your perspective, like looking back, you know, what, what do you wish, you know, you knew, man, if I knew day one, if I knew this stuff, what, what is it that you wish you knew when you started out that, that you think would have been even more beneficial? Uh, that I couldn't do more than three things at once under stress. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I think that, that that's really overwhelming to 
um, do a job, any job. I mean, but it happens to be one with, you know, red and blue lights on top of the car. Mm-hmm. But um, not realizing that I couldn't do everything that I was trained to do because everything was coming at you so fast that it wasn't going to be possible to do more than three things under stress. And it it was definitely obvious my first year or two or three when I tried to do all those things. Um, you know, I, I was driving home today and, and I saw these teenagers coming home from school and they were all down with their heads down with their phone, you know, texting or doing whatever they were doing with those phones. And not one of those three in line was looking up and out. And I thought, you know, I live in a place now that that's probably going to be okay for a little while. But, you know, being born and raised in somewhere like Detroit, that's just the most dangerous thing I've ever seen in my life. And and it's getting much worse. And like you said, uh, the abilities are great, but you can't be looking down all the time to, and that's why people become victims because they're not paying attention anymore. And so it's hard to explain to somebody to use the skill set when they can't get their head up to start looking around because you're not going to be able to predict anything if all you're doing is looking down all day. So no, that that's yeah, go ahead, Greg. One I know thing, you want to add to that. Yeah. One thing you need to you remember, Brian, is is when Shelly was uh, uh, doing the Marine Corps Lioness program, and Shelly was doing Combat Hunter, and Shelly was doing the Edge Survival courses, and Shelly was doing the Shoot, Move, and Communicate, and uh, showing people how to get in and get out of bad situations with uh, impact weapons or or edged weapons or firearms. She continued to be the most highly rated instructor that we had in any of those milieus, she could walk in and see that it was dev group and say, okay, I'm talking to SEAL Team 6, and she'd come into the room and go, okay, everybody listen up. This is gonna, And she'd drive right on. You know, She would walk into a room full of scientists, for example, for the future immersive training uh, uh, you know, fight JCTD, yeah, yeah, yeah. and she would be, be the exact opposite. Hey, I'm not the smartest guy in the room, but let me tell you what I'd see. And that ability to read the environment and be able to act in a manner that that fits whether you're going to project that you're an opponent, not a victim, whether you're going to turn up the volume and go, you, you have to stop your behavior when somebody's getting too close here or doing something stupid. Shelly has the ability to pass that on to females and children and males. Uh, uh, and, and I think one of the, the challenges I have now, and I'm getting old. I mean, I've been doing this for a long time. I've been doing this since the late 70s, and, and she wasn't even born yet, you know. And uh, <laughs> Shelly and I have the uh, opportunity to still travel around together. And I would, I would like to ask Shelly, what's it like being in a car with you and I when we're just going from location to location? What's it sound like inside of that sled? Oh, God. It's like a running tape. <laughs> no, and I mean that's a good thing. You can't if it's just driving, you know, to a store or you know to your parents' house or wherever it is you're out and about for the day. Um, people taking their kids to basketball games. You know, you're in a new venue, so you're not as familiar with that area of operation. So that's a good way to to practice. How do people park their cars? What kind of kids are coming in? What kind of parents are coming in? you know, kind of evaluate the situation, that's the only way that you're going to get good at this. And you have to constantly be doing it in order to stay good. No, and that's it. it, The the one thing to that, it's almost, you know, sad that we have to start with, okay, our our basic level, our start is, all right, put your phone down and look around. 
You know, that, that's where we have to start. Where we didn't used to have to start, even people my age, we didn't we don't have to start there right. with people. They're already, we, I wasn't born right. with that technology. I didn't use that till I was older, so I interacted with differently. But what I've noticed, and even with my, my brother, who is only eight years younger than me, completely different, completely different. Even though as right. highly trained, you know, badass, you know, SEAL as he is, like, I got to be like, hey, dude, what, what do you, put, put the phone down for a second. Take a look around at what's going on. And he's like, oh, yeah, I missed that guy over there. I was like, yeah, like, you know, you're just in it. There's only an eight year difference. And so that 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 technology that that starts to happen exponentially where we get worse and worse at this. Go ahead, Greg. That, that, that at bang thinking that Shelly was talking about is crucial to understand. One of the benefits that you get from Arcadia Cognorati is that we were the at the very cutting edge at the very beginning of using urban and rural training exercises uh, to do part task training and to do practical application. So uh, even the first times that I met Shelly and we were doing realistic training uh, for coppers on felony stops, or we were doing realistic training for first responders on a man with a gun, let's say, uh, when we were doing those, we videotaped all the training from different angles. We ran different scenarios to see what it would look like if you made a poor choice. We would let it run out to, to show you. We were the first ones that were saying, hey, listen, after the, the shooting, you still have to give first aid. person still has to be handcuffed. You still have to communicate. None of that was going on in the industry back in the day. And so what we started doing, uh, which, we, again, was leading the pack, is we would take people out on these urban training exercises, rural training exercises, and go to these areas where the trouble was, and we'd do a walkabout. Because you would see more in an hour than yep. a copper that worked in that ville would see in a year. That, that a soldier would see. When we were outside the wire, we would walk along on the patrol and just do a short security haul, take a knee, and go, three guys by the sled. What are they doing? And everybody go, oh, they're just changing the license plate. Okay, in your entire life, how many times did you change a license plate on your car? You know, and especially right. to another license plate. And then it would dawn on them, and the sort of Damocles hanging over their head would jiggle, and they would say, wow, that's amazing. So Shelly was on the cutting edge of that, and so she has a technical and a tactical advantage that way. She can outshoot any male that, that I've ever worked with in any environment. Um, she can still outrun me, which, which uh, uh, it's easy to see if you're watching uh, camera at 60 pounds. Uh, <laughs> and, but she also brought up something I want you to go back to, Brian. Yeah. She talked about how mentally you have to have the acumen, you have to be quicker than your opponent. The feedback loop has to be faster. The OODA loop has to be more important. So I'd like to hear Shelly's take on how, how she thinks uh, she refined her skills to become faster than her opponent mentally. Was that a question? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it's about constantly doing it and practicing it and rehearsing it and planning for an event. So if I see something, even if it ends up being nothing, um, best to always check out everything. Uh, but to plan a, a, a second and third order effect of what I might do if. And so it's like uh, playing a, a game with yourself. Um, mm-hmm. If this happens, what would I do if? And you keep doing that. And you know what? It can be just at the grocery store on the off chance that you come around a corner and something's gone wrong. Something went sideways and it doesn't belong there. Something is incorrect in aisle three. Um, and it's just a, a, a game you can play with yourself, with your kids, um, what looks different about that, you know, and that's what I do with mine. 
and they're, they got wicked good at making sure that they were paying attention. Um, and you don't have to make it dangerous or scary for kids if you're trying to teach them to pay attention. You just have to rehearse some skills with them, and you can make it fun for them. No, I, I, I'll give you one of those. Brian, I apologize. I'll give you one of those skills just, just so you understand. Uh, during the martial arts class, we had the kids class, adult class, advanced class, uh, and, and uh, it was always realistic training uh, and literally at the cutting edge. And so one of the things that Shelly came up with is uh, many of the children that died in fires uh, died when they were under their bed. They died hiding because not only was the fire scary and noisy, but they also saw this gigantic Darth Vader-looking guy coming through the door with an axe and with lights and doing a rebreather right. on their Scott Air Pack, and that was frightening. So during the martial arts class, Shelly would have the adults show up, and the kids were in the class, and they're all sitting around in the dojo, and she would have a fireman come in, in his street clothes and start talking to the kids and put on his bunker gear a piece at a time. Then kneel down with the kids and say, this is what it's going to sound like. This is what it's going to look like. We still get feedback today from people going, that was the greatest course we ever took because now we understand a mental model of what right looks like, of what wrong looks like. And, and this is the person that's a progenitor of that. And, and that's, a, that's a, you know, I have that same memory motion link for when I was a little kid, you know, so because that, that caught on, and we actually did that at our, our grade school. I still remember I, I was probably in second or third grade, and fireman comes in, and same thing, he just had his pants and he had his T-shirt on, he had all his gear there, he said, hey, guys, you know, hey, you know, this, I wear this because of this, and this is a, something I have to wear to, to breathe in that fire and the mask gear, and it's going to look like this, and these are some of my tools, and you touch them and you play with them, and yeah, that's what, and then, and then it takes, you know, same thing. It takes that fear instead of that kid running away when they see that in that fire. They're going, no, no, that's where I need to go to. That's the person that's going to help me. And that's just a rehearsal. That's a rehearsal for the actual event. And that's kind of what you were talking about. And I, I know now there's, and it's, it's sad that it's come this way that we have, you know, now, you know, people, you know, schools are doing, all right, hey, now how do we train? How do we rehearse for, you know, an active shooter or some type, right. something like that? And, and which is all good stuff. But now these people are saying, oh, these kids are going to be traumatized and they can't have this. And you're like, look, we've been doing fire drills for decades. Why? Yep. Because a long time ago, a lot of kids died in school fires. And then we went, well, that's stupid. We need to have a plan. So now they're doing that. Like that, that's the right thing to do. That takes the fear out of the situation. That gives them a plan. It gives them an option. And we've got pushback from people saying, oh, we can't have them do that. Like, well, then you're going to go blindly into the world. You don't have a plan. So to bring that back to, I know, uh, just like you said, Shelly, since we said I can't do more than three things at once and, and we can get into channel capacity on, on a, and human performance in another podcast, but, but the, the three literally I, I took for, for this specific one, this whole topic we just talked about right now is one, put the phone down. All right, something simple is putting your phone down and scanning your environment. And there's a great one when me and McKaylee were going and picking up the little one from school a, a week ago when it was raining real bad out here. And we pull up to go. And normally outside the little after school area is where they hang up their jacket and hang up their backpack. And then they go inside and they play. And we pulled right up and she goes, hey, why aren't there backpacks out here? What's going on? And we took a look around. And it's going Okay, well, I'm thinking, you know, most dangerous course of action. And she's thinking, oh, yeah, it was raining so bad. It was raining in sideways. You can see it there. I bet they pulled them inside. And then we took a look around, and sure enough. So something that simple is just scanning your environment, putting that phone down and scanning. Two, uh, Greg, you brought it up, and Shelly, you hit on it too. Walking your environment, 
I, I, you know, I live in a condo in Southern California and I take the dog and I walk around and I check stuff out and I walk the little one to school every day when I'm around and I can. And you just, same thing, you see more right there. I've got photos of all kinds of weird stuff with vehicles that don't fit the air, the baseline for the area. You know, something that I can take a look at and that seems odd. Hey, maybe I want to take a photo of this person or what's going on right here and see if it's the same thing over time. That's as we're walking, as we're talking about what's going on in the school today. So, so little stuff like that, but you just actually physically walking, getting out of your vehicle and walking your area, especially in an urban environment, you see more in that one hour of doing it than you will in a whole week or a whole year of actively trying to do that from your car. And then the third thing is uh, the, the what if game. All right, just, just what if game. All right, what if our cell phones go down? How are we going to communicate? Where are we going to meet up? What if I'm late picking you up? Uh, what if uh, this person isn't here when they're supposed to be here? Hey, what if the power, little small things, you know, that's what I got. I got the little one, like a little flashlight and I got one for McKaylee as well. And I go, Hey, you know, I put it up cause she, she's, you can actually see the, the, the spiral staircase over here goes up to her little loft. It's the coolest bedroom ever. I'm so jealous. I wish I had that when I was a kid, but, <laughs> but I go, Hey, this flashlight is up here is not for you to play with. It's just for emergencies. And, and so same thing I had her do what? All right, go lay down in bed. All right, now close your eyes. Now get up and walk over with your hands up to feel exactly where that spot is. Can you feel find it without uh, opening your eyes? Oh, yeah, well, why did you have me close my eyes? Hey, because if the power goes out and there's no light, you know you can exactly where it is. She's like, oh, yeah, I can find it without any light. It's like, now you got it. So that, that took 10 seconds to do with her to explain that process, and she's six. You know, she gets it. So uh, those three things of, uh, of literally just putting the phone down, you know, walking uh, your environment, walking your area of operations, wherever you're going to be, and, and playing the what-if game. I think those three things in, is going to, it's all you need. It doesn't have to be an elaborate five-point for five-paragraph order with a two-and-a-half-hour-long operational order brief to the, that, and that's the pre-brief to the actual brief. It doesn't have to be some, some long, uh, uh, well-planned-out military operation. It's, it's something simple that you can do with your family in five minutes, and I think that's... Right. That's uh, uh, kind of the takeaways I took from this as well. So um, I, unless you guys have something else to add or Shelly, you want to share anything else with us or Greg as well, I think that might be a, a good point to, to wrap on and to end on for this podcast. Do you guys have anything else? I, I've just got one quick question for Shelly. Shelly, obviously you're a hugely uh, competent person in such a variety of skill sets, whether it's martial arts or shooting or uh, human behavior pattern recognition analysis, how long until your confidence came? Because competence and confidence are so essential nowadays. Mm-hmm. How long for you? Well, I mean, I think I'm still working on the confidence, but I think that you <laughs> feel good when you're right, when you have a right answer. And whether that's, you know, somebody's breaking into that car, I think, over there, or um, whether, you know, the party your children are going to did have alcoholic beverages being served or whatever, a successful mission. And if that mission involves being correct about your kids or being correct about taking aisle B instead of aisle A because the nefarious activities going on in this aisle, anything, your brain likes being right. And so if I play the game and whether you're, you know, a cop on the street or whether you're a soldier, sailor, airman, marine, or just you know, a normal citizen going to Walmart that day with your kids, you feel good about being right. And that helps build that confidence level in so many different ways. Yeah, And and what you just hit on, Brian, is the brain chemistry. You know, just like addicts want that next fix, 
yep. when you're right and when you're playing Where's Waldo with your life and you're increasingly right, then your brain wants more. You want to be right more. more. And it, it, it feeds you, the, you know, the feeds the beast. And now you're a happy guy. So, so I, I think that's a great point. And I appreciate uh, Shelly for bringing that up. Yep. Well, thank you guys both. Thanks, Shelly, a lot. Uh, I think we should uh, have you on again to get into some more specific stuff. We just kind of wanted to kind of get your perspective from, uh, you know, I've always been amazed at how everyone kind of gravitates towards you guys with those, those top tier level dudes with the resumes that are a, a book long in some cases when they do write their book, but, Thanks. but, you know, and they go, what is it, you know, so much and you have this perspective and they get enamored with it. And I was the same way. I was like, holy crap, like I can learn so much from you. So thank you again for coming on. And again, anyone out there listening, uh, you can download it uh, on, on iTunes at left of Greg podcast on iTunes. You can watch this on YouTube at the left of Greg YouTube channel. Or please head to the website. It's uh, www.arcadia, A-R-C-A-D-I-A, Cognorati, C-O-G-N-E-R-A-T-I.com. I think I spelled that right. That's good. That's my equation. <laughs> Chicago education. You got that beautiful dry erase board you have to break. I could have just, you just, just written it on there. I draw a little smile. Right. Yeah. So, so there's that. You can always uh, get that uh, more information on there. Contact us on here. Comments on the videos. Like them. Don't like them. Let us know what you think. And if you have specific questions, absolutely get in touch with us, and we'll be more than happy to, to, to answer them and do a podcast on it. So thanks, guys, for coming out. Thank you, guys. Thanks, everyone.